All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 130. I hope everyone enjoyed their weekend. I hope everyone is staying warm, especially if you're in uh, Midwest, Northeast in this country. I know it's um, it's been kind of brutal out there where it's like the really cold wind that kind of burns your skin off. Uh, I've definitely been dealing with that in downtown Cleveland here, so Hope everyone is staying warm, enjoying um, the time of year where you kind of just sit around and watch sports on your couch. I think that's why people in the Midwest and the Northeast are just so passionate about sports is because like during those winter months when you have nothing else to do, you just sit on your couch and watch sports for hours on end. Um, And sometimes when you live in nicer weather places, you probably don't do that as much because you're out in the warm weather. Uh, So I think it makes makes us here in the Midwest, Northeast areas a lot more uh, passionate about uh, our teams uh, and uh, what they're doing during these months to keep us entertained. A lot to get into today. Obviously, a massive, massive Browns win that really increases their chances of making the playoffs. Um, And then we have a couple other random topics to get into as well. So I'm just going to jump right into it. I want to start with um, the most exciting topic for me to discuss, which is my goat, my king, the, the greatest player to ever play the game. LeBron James has won MVP for the in-season tournament. Um, Couldn't be more excited. I think most people could have predicted this because it just seems like something LeBron was going to do this season with the way he has been playing this year uh, and the lead up to this in-season tournament. It felt like it was just in the cards for him to be able to do it with the the high level that he is playing at this year, continues to find new ways uh, to play this game. It's really... Very incredible. Um, I am going to continue to make the argument that is going to annoy anyone who thinks Michael Jordan is the GOAT, but Michael Jordan never won an in-season tournament, and that can't be changed. That is a factual thing that has happened in the history of the National Basketball Association, Uh, and I think everyone's just going to have to accept it. I am using that as an argument moving forward for LeBron's GOAT status, Um, and I'm I'm really excited about it, so (laughs) um, people are just going to have to accept that one. It's it's so fun to be able to say that. First MVP of the in-season tournament. Michael Jordan could never, could never do it. Um, yeah, so I don't have too many other thoughts on that other than um, I really enjoyed the in-season tournament overall. I think there's a few tweaks that they need to make to it um, with maybe the pool of games to get into the in-season tournament. I think the point differential was cool in some ways because it made teams that were, you know, maybe even up by a significant amount continue to play harder in their games because they knew they needed that point differential to be higher if there was some sort of tiebreaker. They needed to um, have that that number up to get in. I think it was cool in that sense, but I think um, maybe there's some some better other alternatives um, that we can have to keep teams competitive throughout because it felt like uh, a lot of teams didn't have the opportunity after maybe losing the first game of their you know series of games. It, it kind of screwed them over at that point. So I think there's some tweaks that can be made, but overall, very much enjoyed it. I thought it was so cool to see LeBron in his little speech after. I was like, of course, emotional watching him because I always am. Um, but just talking about... Um, 
how he really wanted to do it for the younger players on the team, especially those two-way guys who make, what, like 500K in the season. This literally doubles their salary for the year, which is a really cool experience to give to them. I saw a quote today, actually, that the the rookies were saying that LeBron told them before the game, like, hey, I'm we're, we got this. Don't even worry about it. Like, I'm do, we're going to do this for you. I am going to do this for you. We are winning this game um, so that you guys can, can have that extra cash. Because for LeBron... That's nothing. But for a guy who's a two-way player, that's a ton of money and makes a real difference for them. So super cool to to see all that. Good guy LeBron coming out. LeBron was also spotted at Bronny's first USC basketball game. He was such a classic dad sitting courtside with his phone just up filming everything, um, which is, it is a dad move. But like as if this game is not being filmed and televised from every single angle because it's Bronny. LeBron still wanted it for himself on his phone, and I thought that was really sweet. Uh, Zuri was there as well, and so was uh, Gloria James. So very nice to see the the James gang all um, there to support Bronny. Um, okay, uh, next topic I wanted to quickly touch on um, was some baseball news, which I don't get into very often, um, but monumental contract just happened. Otani signed a $700 million deal with the Dodgers. It's a 10-year deal. Um, The structure is quite interesting from, I don't know if this has been finalized, but from Otani's camp, they are going to have him paid like $2 million a year for all of the years of his contract so that the Dodgers still have the opportunity to pay other players. Uh, And so beyond the 10 years of his contract, he will still be owed $680 million. I'm just not sure how that works exactly or makes any sense, Um, but it is apparently going to happen. I'm kind of bummed it's the Dodgers because I feel like it's the most, one of the more predictable places for him to end up, which I wanted it to be something so off the wall and uh, unique that it wasn't one of the typical teams that have a bankroll like that. But like, I get it. If you're being offered 700 million for 10 years, you're going to take it. I understand. I just thought it would be fun if he went somewhere else. I think that 700 million says a lot more, I think, about the state of the entire MLB rather than just the Dodgers and how there is such a discrepancy between what these top teams are able to pay players compared to a team like the Guardians that it's going to take them probably 10 years to even have a a payroll of $700 million for the entire team rather than one player. Uh, I just, I still always feel like there needs, there needs to be something changed in baseball, whether there is a salary floor or a ceiling, something needs to change to fix this system that feels so broken and so unfair in so many ways. Like I'm not hating on a guy getting his money. I just think it is so crazy to see how from team to team things can be just so drastically different. And I would like it to change so that, um, you know, the smaller markets don't feel like they're suffering as much. Uh, okay. A couple of other NFL topics before I get into bronze jags. So I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes, the chiefs bills game. Obviously the chiefs lost once again, second week in the row, Uh, The Bills are kind of coming back into the conversation of potentially being able to be a playoff team. It's still a smaller percentage for them, but it is in the realm of possibility now after this win. 
Um, and the Chiefs kind of feel like they are struggling. They actually have the same record as the Browns at the current moment, which is funny because we are so excited about 8-5. and five, And Chiefs fans are like, 8-5 and five is worst case scenario. How is this possible? This is awful. Um, so it's kind of funny just to see the difference. But hey, that's what expectations do to you. Expectations um, can be pretty killer. So the big controversy from the game was obviously the last play of the game, Kadarius Toney uh, was called for offsides. He was very clearly over the line. Um, The play still happened, and it was an incredible play where Travis Kelsey did like a lateral to Kadarius Toney for him to score. It was a really, really cool play. Probably one of the coolest plays I've ever seen. I can't believe it actually worked uh, and then was called back because of Kadarius Toney being um, over the line. The the bigger controversy coming for it is that Kadarius Tony and really the whole Chiefs team is saying that, you know, they wanted a warning that Kadarius Tony is, you know, saying he checked with the ref ahead of time. The ref said he was fine and then ended up, ended up throwing the flag. Um, just the whole conversation around what the refs uh, did or didn't say or motion or just anything in that world. Um in the video, to me, what it looks like, this is just from my perspective, it looks like Kadarius Tony does motion over to the refs to check, but I don't think he waits to see the ref's response. I think he turned immediately. Uh, so that's what it looks like to me is that he didn't even wait to see that response. So maybe he felt like he checked, but um, the ref did not signal anything back to him from what I could tell in the views that I was able to look at. I think what my bigger problem wa- with was the post-game conversations, I respect when a player is very passionate. I think it's very cool to see Mahomes care so much about the game and his team and getting the wins. I like when players show that passion. I didn't love that he was yelling at Josh Allen after the game, being basically saying, like, I can't believe that call, you know. Everyone's saying the refs were horrible, it was rigged, all of these things um, right after the game, just right to the faces of the other team. I felt like it wasn't great sportsmanship. Patrick did, I think it was on a radio show the next day, apologize. He felt bad about um, how he reacted to Josh and was just like, I was just so passionate in the moment. So I'm not holding it against him. I really respect that he was able to own it and be like, yeah, it was an in the moment thing that I messed up and I probably wouldn't behave like that again um, if I could, you know, if I could go back and change it. Um, but I, I do still think that all of the Chiefs players um, and coaches were were kind of wrong about the call in general. And look, the Chiefs have had a lot of calls go their way over the last couple of years. Uh, I have, a, you know, as a Browns fan, a, a great memory of the Chiefs-Browns playoff game where Richard Higgins um, was very clearly targeted and um, didn't get called and really flipped the entire game on its head. Uh, in that moment. So the Chiefs have certainly gotten many calls to go their way. Uh, So I really can't take any of their complaining that seriously. Uh, But at the same time, I understand feeling passionate in the moment. Lots of players do um, and react strongly and and maybe later regret it. So it, um, it is what it is because the result happened and the Bills won and there's nothing they can do to change it at this point. Um, They're just going to have to probably get back on track again because the Ravens are certainly running away with the one seed. So, you know, for the first time, it's probably not going to be the the Arrowhead Invitational where everyone's just has to roll through Arrowhead to get to the Super Bowl. Um, 
Other piece of news that I wanted to discuss that's related to the Browns was an extension that just got signed. Um, Grant Delpit, three-year, $36 million extension. This happened just before the game. Obviously, very unfortunate. He got injured in that game, groin injury. Like, I don't know. They don't have an update on how long he's going to be out for yet, but um, certainly very bad timing, all things considered, after signing that extension. Uh, His contract ranks 11th among safeties in the league, Uh, so you know, getting paid as a, a very talented safety, which I think he has proven to be this year. I am someone who's just never going to complain about keeping good players around. I know there's so many salary gurus out there who know the ins and outs of who should get paid, what's amount, and all of that stuff. I am not that person. Um, I do think that, you know, 11th among safety seems like a pretty fair deal for how he played this year. Hopefully he's able to replicate that in the coming years. But uh, overall, I I don't feel too bad about doing that. And I'm excited to keep good players around. It's hard to keep good players around. You know, this defense has really built something great and I want to keep as many of them around as possible. So very uh, happy to see that. Okay, so let's talk about the game now. Obviously what you're all here for. Browns beat the Jags 31-27. to I was there at the game. Very um, exciting atmosphere. I thought it was going to be less packed because when you looked online, you could see that there were a lot of tickets going for like 10 bucks. Um, but in general, I still felt like the stadium was pretty packed um, and people were excited. Uh, as always, a very stressful game uh, where the Browns have to really beat themselves at a lot of points. I think that's been the theme of the year many times. Um, But even through all of that adversity, finding a way to win um, and resiliency, I think that's also been the story of this team. Uh, Joe Flacco was 26 of 45 with three touchdowns. Man, having um, a QB throw 45 times and score three touchdowns is like, that's just kind of crazy. I just don't feel like that's the MO of this team of the last few years, but it's, um, I'm happy to see it. Two of those touchdowns were to my guy, David Njoku, very excited to see him in the end zone, getting, um, the love he deserves. And then one of them was to none other than David Bell on maybe the gutsiest play call I have seen. What a fun moment. It was fourth and three, I believe. Um, and Joe Flacco gets all the credit in the world for being able to read the defense correctly and that find David Bell completely open, so much open to the fact that David Bell turned around and just had grass um, for days to take him into the end zone. I was so excited for David Bell. It was the first touchdown of his professional career. He looked so happy. There's a still shot of him running into the end zone with the biggest smile on his face. I think he was just so overjoyed to be able to have that moment. And um, those are, you know, the the ways you can win games when it feels like everything is going against you. You have moments like that that uh, uh, great teams make happen. So it was really cool to see that. Um, Joe Flacco is the first Browns quarterback with three touchdown passes of 30 yards or more in a single game since Brian Sipe in 1980, which is a stat that has been going around that should be mind blowing, but is not at all mind blowing. Like I was not even shocked to see that, um, because obviously we haven't had many good quarterbacks over the years. Uh, and in general, the last couple of years, the MO of the quarterback position has not been, um, creating explosive plays in that way. So it was really cool to see that happen repeatedly throughout the game. Man, Joe Flacco is just, 
he is a true professional. Uh, is you know obviously he's on the older side of quarterbacks, but you can just tell the knowledge that he has taken in over the years as a quarterback in this league, and the way he's able to read defenses, be patient, be smart. Um, he you know obviously has a bad interception here or there, um, and maybe doesn't have the same you know mobility that he used to have. Although he does look decently mobile, uh, I, I think it's his mind that is so valuable and is what he is bringing to this team right now, which has been really cool to see these last two weeks. Um, I think he's the type of quarterback that Kevin Stefanski really enjoys coaching. He reminds me in some ways of Jacoby, um, which it was funny just watching these last two games, the the comparison I kept thinking of when, um, Jacoby last year on the first drive of nearly every single game where it's the the scripted drive to open up the game the Browns were almost always scoring on those last year this year it's been kind of the opposite where the Browns cannot score on the first drive actually there's been two games where Deshaun Watson threw an interception on the first drive um and in general just I think the team has um struggled to start games like that. Um, So then to have Joe Flacco be able to open up a game like this with a beautiful first drive, bring him down the field, get a score right away was really cool and reminded me a lot of Jacoby. Um, But I just feel like he is the type of quarterback in a lot of ways that Kevin Stefanski likes to coach and has a lot of experience coaching um, and is really good at it. I mean, he he has helped this team win in ways that are are crazy. I mean, he's won with four different quarterbacks at this point this season. Every single team, I believe, that has the same amount of wins or more than us has only had one quarterback this season. He has made a lot happen with very little. And, you know, beyond the four different starting quarterbacks, there's been an insane number of injuries. And he has this team at the five seed in the AFC right now. Um, you know, it's just, it's so impressive. And I hope that he gets the extension he deserves for what he has done. Um, I think offensively, the one thing that was and continues to be a struggle is running the ball. Um, just still not finding a ton of success there. Obviously, I, I know it's you know a broken record at this point. You don't have Nick Chubb anymore, um, and that's pretty clear. But I just think they're going to have to continue to try to find different ways uh, to run the ball and get success doing that because it's going to help them overall if they can get a little bit better at that. Luckily, Joe Flacco is a, a decent passer, and we've had some success there. So we are able to have success offensively, just not in that way. Um, last thing offensively, Dustin Hopkins. 55 yarder that he made this game. I was I was actually shocked to see him kick it. It was pretty windy in that stadium. Um, but man, they really trust the guy, and I don't blame them for trusting the guy because he keeps doing it again and again. He has more field goals in a season, a single season, than Phil Dawson ever had, which is crazy. Um, and I'm just, it's been so nice to have him be so reliable that you're able to bring him in and feel pretty good about his chances of making it from deep. Um, and as I've said before, that was a concern about him was that he wouldn't be able to make those ones from deep, and he is time and time again done that. So that was really cool to see. Uh, On defense, I think the story of the game was the secondary and the takeaways, which I felt like as good as this defense has been this year, there were certain games where they were so dominant but just could not seem to get any takeaways. Um, This game, there were takeaways galore. Um, Greg Newsom had an interception, and I think specifically the highlight was Martin Emerson and his two interceptions. 
he in general just had incredible coverages throughout the game and was playing out of his mind. Uh, and then the two interceptions were just so cool. What a win for uh, Andrew Barry's drafting you know, history, getting him in the third round and the success they've already seen from him. He is one of my favorite players to watch. I think he's become such a vocal leader in such a short time. Uh, you can see in all of the videos the way he talks to the other players, the way he's speaking up and and stepping up uh, for the rest of the guys. I think it's really cool to see and makes me excited about having him um, in the future as well. Uh, so overall, you know, the defense made some mistakes too, but getting those takeaways and finding a way to, you know, in the the moments that matter, make something happen. Um, that's all you need to do, and you get the win 31-27. Uh, the, the other big story of the game, and I guess this is more just as we look to the future now, is, is the injuries that just continue to keep coming. So in this game, Maurice Hurst was injured with a torn pec. Um, he is on the IR now. Uh, such a bummer because he has had a great year, really come in um, and provided a lot for this defense. Jed Wills is officially out for the season with surgery. He was already hurt, obviously, um, but they were giving it some time to see if he would be able to come back, realize the only option is going to be surgery at this point. So he is done for the year. It really is a miracle that the Browns have been able to keep going after the constant injuries that it, they've had. I mean, I, I mentioned already Grant Delpit got injured in this game. Ethan Posich left in this game, got injured. Um, Nick Harris had to step in for him. And you know what? Shout out to Nick Harris. Nick Harris is like the MVP of this team this year because he's like, what do you need me to do? I will do it. You want me to be a fullback? I'll do it. You want me to come in and be center? I'll do it. Um, and he did very well, by the way. He very much held down the fort there, even though he's been used as a fullback for pretty much the majority of the season at this point was able to come in uh, and do that very well. So was very proud of him and that um, it's really just been a next man up mentality. Uh, hasn't always gone well, but most guys have really stepped up and that's a, a perfect example of it. I just, I don't know how this team keeps going at this rate and is going to be able to win a playoff game as they've continued to just lose everyone. Like, this is the list this year of everyone they've lost. Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Jack Conklin, Dewan Jones, Jed Wills. Those last three were all three starting tackles. Three starting tackles gone for the season. Jacob Phillips, Ronnie McLeod, Jakeem Grant, Maurice Hurst. Who knows about Delpit at this point? He could maybe even be gone for the season. I don't know. Um, but that's a pretty brutal list. And beyond that, you've had, you know... Denzel Ward out for extended periods of time. You've had Juan Thornhill miss a lot of time. There's been plenty of guys who have missed uh, lots of time as well. So it's been brutal, but um, I just am proud of everyone for continuing to fight and just believe in each other. Okay, so the current picture of the AFC playoffs, we have the Ravens holding on there at the one seed. Dolphins, who just lost in a crazy fashion, in a way of like the Browns losing to the Jets last year kind of fashion. That was wild. Chiefs, who just lost, and then the Jaguars, who just lost. So three of those four top teams just lost, which is very interesting. Um, and then you had the Browns, you had the Steelers, and you have the Colts. Um, so those are the seven teams. And then looking on the outside right now, you have... Texans, Broncos, and Bills, who are also all seven and six, just like the Steelers and Colts. So there are six total teams right now who are seven and six. 
So the tiebreakers are really going to come into play. This win was so big for the Browns because it did put them one game up from the Steelers and the Colts and really all those other seven and six teams and was able to just give them a little bit more comfortability as we push into these last four games of the season. Uh, So the Browns' chances are extremely high right now, 86% chance to make the playoffs. Um, The final four games are Bears, Texans, Jets, and Bengals. You know, at different points of the season, I would have said like this stretch of games is going to be so like super easy, but I think all of these teams have shown impressive moments, especially as the season has gone on. Like the Bears have really stepped up in the last couple of weeks. Texans have been up and down, but obviously have really flashed with CJ Stroud. The Jets played well this past week and the Bengals with Jake Browning um, have really done well too. And he has shown that he is a very capable quarterback, which we didn't think that that was the case when Joe Burrow went out. Um, So it's not going to be just a cakewalk. And I hope that the team is taking it seriously. Um, I'm just hoping to win two of the four because I think 10 wins and they are good to go. Uh, So if you can take two of those, you feel pretty good about your chances in the playoffs. Uh, The matchup I would most like of those top four teams would be a rematch with the Jaguars. Um, You know, we just were able to beat them. So I feel pretty good about our chances there. I don't want to play the Chiefs because I just don't want to play Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. (laughs) Um, The Ravens, I think, you know, obviously we beat them once, lost to them once this year, but are one of the more talented teams in the league. And I know that game would be very competitive. Um, And we haven't played the Dolphins this year, but uh, very talented offense. And um, I just think I would feel more comfortable with the Jags. So we will see what happens because we don't get to decide that. It will all depend on how all of these chips fall um, as, you know, things go on in the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, with all those seven and six teams, anything can happen. So every game is going to be competitive. Every win is going to matter. But looking forward to it. Uh, That is all I have for you guys today. If you could please leave me a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Um, Please follow or subscribe on the YouTube. Leave a comment of what you thought of this game. Um, Any thoughts on um, just the upcoming games for the rest of the season, the current playoff picture. Let me know what you're thinking. Um, I very much appreciate all of you listening. Um... And as always, with, you know, just a few games left of the football season, soak it all up and go Browns.